Hello and welcome to another episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. Is it just me or is everyone getting married right now? No, seriously. I know I'm in the thick of it because I do hair and makeup for brides, but my bestie also just took the plunge. Oh, and JLo too. Today, we're talking weddings and just wait till you hear what happened at mine. Of course, you wouldn't expect it to have gone perfectly smooth, would you? I mean, it is Jaina we're talking about. (laughs) Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. (laughs) Now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. Today, my voice is extra raspy. It gets especially bad when I'm tired or overworked. I remember one morning I woke up to a call from the Canadian Revenue Agency. Definitely not my favorite way to wake up. She heard my voice and she goes, Uh, Would you like me to call you back? You sound terrible. Damn, here I thought my morning rasp was sexy. But hey, if sounding like shit gets the CRA off my back, then bring on the husky trucker voice. (laughs) Today, it's for a good reason. I just got back from officiating my best friend's wedding. Her celebration was out in the wilderness on a beautiful property just outside of Vernon, BC. The location was incredible. I was so busy with her, I missed the news that J-Lo had also gotten married on the same day. The headline said that they did a secret elopement in Las Vegas, which was something they'd always wanted to do. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, sure, it's probably the only kind of wedding she hasn't done yet. Plus, I'm all for taking your time to find love and giving it another chance, putting yourself out there and whatever. But who's trying to attend your fourth wedding? Like, if I was invited to a fourth wedding, I'd be like, sorry, I didn't bring a gift, uh, but I'm pretty sure one of the other three toasters that I've given you still works. Those two crack me up. Like, imagine being her fourth husband. She says her vows and then finishes it with, this time I mean it, baby. Meanwhile, he's apparently collecting Jennifer's. He doesn't even have to change the monogram towels or pillowcases in his house. So I guess that's convenient. But think about it for a second. Everyone was saying what a beautiful couple they are and that their love has been 20 years in the making. And sure, it's cute because it reminds us of a time when we wore matching terry cloth sweatsuits and bucket hats. But if JLo was your friend, there's no way you'd be excited for this wedding. Her first marriage lasted eight months. Then she cheated on her second husband of one year with Ben, who proposed to her and then cheated on her with an orgy of strippers in Vancouver. I actually know one of the strippers because I used to take pole dancing lessons from her. He embarrassed the hell out of J-Lo when the news hit the media and they called off their engagement. Then he went on to marry another Jennifer, have three kids with her, and apparently cheated on her with their babysitter. Blah, blah, blah. Life moves on. We live and we grow. They reconnect and boom, they're getting married at the Little White Chapel in Las Vegas. That would legit be like if you heard that I ran away and married Dee from the Fifty Shades of Red trilogy. Seriously. So forget about Benefer for the moment. We're going to talk about a good love story. One that's wholesome and sweet and worthy of the headlines. Introducing Ricky and Ryan. 
Ricky met Ryan 13 years ago, exactly one month after she and I met. I like to make a special point of saying this so that I always get credit for being her longest relationship. (laughs) They met at a little pub when Ryan's friends saw how beautiful Ricky was, and he dared her to go up to Ryan pretending that she knew who he was. Well, she did it, and they have been inseparable ever since. Of course, I've been friends with Ricky their entire relationship. During that time, our friendship grew as well. We met when we were both booked to do hair and makeup for a TV show pilot. That's when someone makes an episode of a show to pitch it to networks to see if they're going to fund it to be made. Well, the two of us bonded over what a stupid idea the show was and that there was no way it was going to get picked up. And we were right. A few weeks later, I needed an assistant for a big wedding that I was doing for the owners of Plenty of Fish, the dating app. The stakes were very high. And at one point, I asked her to please change someone's eyeliner. And she kind of snapped back at me like, yeah, I was going to. I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm never working with that bitch again. But circumstances had it that I did, in fact, work with her again and again and again and again. And in these past 13 years, I'm so proud to say that not only have we never argued, we've actually never even had a fight. Our personalities just match so well. I love planning crazy cool adventures and she's down for anything. So it's perfect. When Ricky isn't in the room, I don't even refer to her as my best friend. I call her my ride or die. I remember one time we were driving over the border and our car got pulled in to get searched. As we were walking from the car to the holding room, I remembered that my ex had left a bunch of his weed in the console of my car. And this was long before it was legal. I whispered to her under my breath on our way there. Hey, Ricky, uh, I think there's weed in the car. She calmly received the information, held her head up higher and said, okay. We have weed. Like it was no big deal. And no matter what, we were going down together. I like asking weird questions on road trips. And one time I asked her, if there was a purge and you and I were allowed to take out one person, anyone who's wronged you or hurt you in your life, who would it be? And she said without hesitation, D, my ex. She said, I absolutely hate what he did to you. I watched you go through hell. And for that reason, there's no one that I hate more. That is a sign of a true friend, someone who carries your struggles like they're her own. Anyways, how did I come to be the officiant at her wedding? Well, one day we were working with a group of bridesmaids talking about this podcast. I was having a hard time coming up with a name and I joked that I was considering calling it the Church of Jaina. One of the bridesmaids said, oh my God, I totally joined the Church of Jaina. And we joked about what it would be like. Then someone goes, if there was really a Church of Jaina, you could officiate Ricky's wedding. And that's when Ricky piped up. She goes, actually, Ryan and I talked about it and we both agreed. You'd be the perfect person to marry us. I almost dropped my curling iron on my client's head. What? She goes, this isn't how I wanted to ask you, but would you officiate our wedding? I had to compose myself. Tears were welling up in my eyes. This was easily the biggest honor that had ever been bestowed upon me in my 38 years on this planet. I needed to make sure this ceremony was epic. It had to be funny, unique, sentimental, and personal. I knew that I was going to obsess over it over the next year, but hopefully my anxiety would push me to make it the best ceremony they'd ever been to. That's when my inner saboteur kicked in. Who are you to perform a marriage ceremony? You failed at it twice. What if the people in the audience find out? Doesn't that make you a fraud? Do you even believe in marriage? The stress of this weighed heavily on me for a couple of days. Maybe I should tell Ricky and Ryan someone else would be better suited for this position. And then it hit me. Of course I believe in marriage. I tried doing it twice for a reason. I just don't believe in my ability to choose a partner. And maybe having it done twice makes me an expert. I mean... 
I definitely have respect for how hard it can be now, and I most certainly know what not to do. There's a quote I heard. It said, it's not brave to love, it's brave to love again. And not only had I tried, I'd fallen down, hurt myself, and still got back up and tried pedaling. And I really did give my second marriage the best shot that I could. I put my everything into it, but he left me anyways. So I had nothing to be ashamed of. Fine. I'll be proud. After all, Ricky knows my life story and asked me anyways. So fuck it. I'm doing it. First thing you need to understand about me is I'm a control freak when it comes to details. I want everything to be perfect specifically for my friends. And something about Ricky? Well, she's incredibly easygoing and chill. With her wedding, she just wanted to have a beautiful dress, have everyone she loved in the same place, and for the venue to look incredible. Well, it did look incredible before she even started decorating. That venue was breathtaking. Then there were the decorations. She and Ryan spent an entire year making every detail that would be needed for the wedding. They made a beautiful dance floor, the altar that they got married on, the bar, a big gorgeous McGuire sign to be above the bar, and Ricky spent three hours making each of the 10 centerpieces for the tables. They were beautiful stumps, looking very eclectic, covered in moss and lights. They actually reminded me of the movie Fern Gully. They were so, so beautiful and perfect for the wedding. For the entire year leading up to the celebration, they stored all of the things they made in their living room. The two of them were literally living in wedding day headquarters. The wedding guests set up everything the way Ricky and Ryan had specified. And once it was all ready to go for the next day, it was clear to all of us. This wedding was all heart. In our conversations leading up to the wedding, there were things that mattered to me that Ricky wasn't really pressed about at all. She said she didn't know what she wanted to hold walking down the aisle and that she didn't think she needed a bartender. I also never heard anything about who would be emceeing. I'd make little recommendations here or there, but then quickly reminded myself that this was her party, not mine, and I would just do what she asked of me. The ceremony. The weather on the wedding day was absolute perfection. I woke up at 6 a.m. to go over what I'd written, and then I realized Ricky didn't have a bouquet. So I rushed around picking flowers and putting something together that actually turned out quite pretty. It was a sunflower and pompous grass bouquet wrapped with burlap ribbon. Not bad for a makeup artist. Then I drove into town to pick up the catering that I'd ordered for the bridesmaids, scooped up Ricky's favorite Starbucks drink, a brown sugar oat chicken espresso, as well as a little bottle of Bailey's, and then I made my way back out to the property. All of the girls got ready together to a mix of country music and J-Lo. It was perfect. Once we were one hour out to the ceremony, oh, that's when my nerves started to hit. I was shaking and overwhelmed with the weight of what I was being asked to do. I just really didn't want to disappoint them. So I took a walk down to the ceremony location. I looked over my notes and I breathed deeply. I told myself, everything was going to be great. Once the audience sat down, I told them all that I was going to need their participation in the ceremony. There was going to be one place where I wanted them all to yell, oh yeah, like macho man Randy Savage. He's Ryan's favorite. And once he put the ring on Ricky's finger, I wanted them to all sing out, hey Ricky, you're so fun, you're so fun, you blow my mind, hey Ricky, hey Ricky. Everyone practiced it and it loosened them up and set the tone for a fun, playful ceremony. Ryan came down the aisle first and was instructed to stay facing me because Ricky's ride from the house to the ceremony was long and he'd be able to see her the whole time. So I wanted him to have a first look moment right at the end of the aisle. She pulled up in her ATV and the song changed to Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles and everyone gasped once they saw her. 
She looked like sunshine on two legs. Her golden hair was piled up high on her head, which is her signature look. I always say that the only thing bigger than her hair is her heart. And her gown was almost an exact replica of the one that she tried on in Los Angeles. The one we talked about in the episode Drunk and Firstless in Los Angeles. Then, once her dress had been arranged and she was ready with a parent standing on either side, I said, Ryan, please turn around and see our gorgeous bride for the first time. Everyone held their breath as he turned. It was a moment I'll never forget, and I felt extra blessed to have a front row seat to his reaction. The ceremony was perfect, actually better than I'd imagined. I'd asked each of them questions about their relationship that they answered privately to me, and they had no idea that I was going to use them in the ceremony. It was clear by the way that they answered that the two of them are crazy about each other. They're made for one another. For example, Ricky said one of her favorite things about Ryan is that he sings to her every morning and puts her name into every song that he sings. He says, it's a Ricky J song. Isn't that cute? They both said that their favorite thing to do together was watch the Green Bay Packers, their giant fans. And Ryan admitted something about their relationship that people might find surprising was that he's the little spoon. We all shared in laughter and tears. It was incredible. Then they wrote their own vows. Damn, they were perfect. Ryan had written his a year and a half ago and admitted that he had done many different drafts. And you could tell each word was so carefully selected. And it made my heart happy to know that my best friend was marrying such a stand-up guy who loves her so entirely. I said that the idea of forever could be daunting, so instead, focus on choosing each other one day at a time, and eventually, day after day after day will turn into an eternity. Instead of the usual sickness and health, richer for poorer thing, I asked Ryan, Ryan, do you promise to wake up every morning and choose Ricky for the rest of your days? And then I asked Ricky, Ricky, do you promise to choose Ryan every morning for the rest of your days? And of course, they both said enthusiastically, I do. When it was time to party, it became apparent very quickly that there was no MC. So I happily took on the job. Then I found out that the caterers who'd been booked to serve Mexican food and margaritas were only going to be there for about two hours. And after that, there would be no bartender. And I was kind of freaking out. I knew that Ricky would have been fine with the alcohol being a free-for-all, but my imagination was running wild with what that would have looked like if we didn't find a solution. I was also happy that there was finally something I could do to save the day for Ricky because she'd always been there for me. So I approached the two bartenders making margaritas and asked what I'd have to do to get one of them to stay for the night. One of them seemed a little intrigued. Well, I knew I had to make the deal super sweet so that I would get a yes. I said, Would you stay if I paid you $500 and drove you home at the end of the night? His eyes lit up. He goes, yes, I I would do that. He goes, but I live in Kelowna. Oh, shit. I was here thinking that maybe he lived in Lumbee, which was just outside of the property we were on. Or maybe Vernon, which was 35 minutes away. But he lived in Kelowna, which was an hour and a half from where we were staying. But to me, driving him home was better than Ricky's bar turning into a shit show. So I agreed. We partied all night, danced under the stars, and Ricky looked like an absolute vision with an unstoppable smile and love all around her. It's everything someone like me could wish for for her best friend. Then at 12.30, the bartender said he was starting to fade, so I did a last call announcement, packed up my room that I was supposed to be spending the night in, and drove to Kelowna. 
At two in the morning, I called my parents who lived there and told them that I needed to spend the night. They happily got up, made a bed for me and asked for all of the details of Ricky's wedding. Well, it's almost like they already knew because they'd been following along on my Instagram story. They're the cutest. Then my dad saw how filthy my feet were from running around outside in nature in sandals. So he filled a big bucket with warm water and soap. He laid a towel underneath where I was sitting and washed each foot for me. It felt so nice to be taken care of after such a long day of doing it for someone else. It was such a blessing being part of Ricky's wedding. And looking back, I'm so proud of her for putting on such a beautiful event. And then I laughed to myself because mine was such a shit show. I mean, would we expect anything less? When my ex proposed to me, I was pretty sure I wanted a small elopement style destination wedding because I'd done it all before. I pictured either an intimate penthouse party in Las Vegas with In-N-Out burgers for food or a long table dinner on the beach in the Philippines. I thought that suggestion would earn me some serious brownie points with my in-laws because they were Filipino, but instead they told me it could be dangerous. They said maybe I would end up getting kidnapped or held hostage because as a white bride, I would be seen as rich and valued. Also, He'd never been married before, and he said that he wanted to show me off to the world, and how could I possibly argue with that? I said, if we were going to have a big fat wedding at home, then it had to be how I wanted it, and I wanted it to be fun. I once heard a stand-up comedian saying that weddings aren't real parties because you would never invite your grandma to a real party. So to that, I told myself, this would be a real party, and if my grandma didn't like it, she didn't have to stay. I wanted my guests to have fun. Nothing boring, nothing cheesy, just fun. I booked a nightclub as our reception venue. I arranged for a flash mob choir to perform All You Need Is Love as soon as they announced us as husband and wife, like in the scene from the movie Love Actually. I booked hip hop dancers to perform and hired a production company to recreate the What A Man music video by Salt and Pepper as a surprise to my ex that was going to play on a big screen. It was made complete with surprise appearances by his best friends and mom, who even did the Roger Rabbit. The theme was Vegas in Vancouver. The bridesmaids wore leopard print pencil skirts with silk black blouses and high buns. They looked like sexy secretaries. And my dress had long sleeves that fell off one shoulder and a slit that went high up one leg. Mostly, I was excited for the morning of because that's the time when the bride gets ready with her bridesmaids and it's where I'd been working with other brides for the past 15 years. And it was finally my turn. So the night before the wedding, we stayed at the Fairmont Pacific Rim, one of my favorite hotels in Vancouver. It has a fancy sushi lounge and cocktail bar downstairs and epic views of the ocean. I had bought matching leopard print onesie pajamas for myself and my bridesmaids. And we stayed up late drinking champagne and ran downstairs to take pictures of ourselves in our outfits in the lobby. And we posted one of them on Facebook. Then we went up to our room, tipsy from champagne and the excitement of the moment. And that's when it happened. We were fumbling with our key card, trying to get into our room, and all of a sudden, the alarm started going off. I didn't know what to do. I asked Elsa, do we evacuate? Well, she just polished off a whole bottle to herself, and she was like, "Mm, I'm sure it's fine. It's probably just a test. We all shrugged it off, went into our room, and laid down to sleep. Then, three hours later, my nerves woke me up. It was my wedding day and I had so much on my mind. I wanted to finish writing all my thank you notes, but first I thought I'd check my Facebook. There, someone had commented under the picture of us in the lobby of the hotel and said, Oh my God, I'm watching the news. Are you all right? All right? Of course, I was better than all right. It was my wedding day. Wait, the news? I had no idea what she meant. So I googled Fairmont Pacific Rim Vancouver News and my jaw hit my lap when I saw what came up. The headline read, 
There is currently a police standoff with a deranged gunman in the lobby of the Pacific Rim Hotel. No fucking way. I checked the date. It had been posted on October 15th, the day I'd been counting down to, my wedding day. I ran to the window and I looked down. There was yellow tape all around the hotel and police crammed side to side all around the building. Holy shit. I ran to the other room where my bridesmaids were sleeping. Guys, remember the alarms? There's a gunman downstairs. They rubbed the sleep from their eyes as they tried to compute what I was saying. Then I told them to look outside and we all stood stunned, looking down at the circus of police cars. Then Elsa said, Well, it's only 7 a.m. Your wedding isn't until this afternoon. I'm sure it'll clear up by then. So I called my mom right away and I told her what was up. I needed to stop her from coming to the hotel because she was going to come see me get in my dress and I was going to do her hair and makeup. And she goes, well, how am I going to get ready now? I didn't even pack a curling iron because I thought you were doing my hair and makeup. Yes, mom. That was my biggest concern at the moment. <laughs> well, it didn't clear up. I'm sure in any other country, someone waving a gun around in a public place would have been shot in the leg with a rubber bullet within a few minutes. But here in Canada, it's different. They shut down all the surrounding streets, stopped the sky train from running everything. It's like life was being put on pause while this jackass figured himself out. This guy essentially hijacked my whole wedding morning. All of the staff had been evacuated. No one could come in or out of the hotel, so no one could come to do hair and makeup for my bridesmaids either. We couldn't order food, so we ate everything in the minibar. My photo and video people couldn't come get the photos I'd been dreaming of having. The ones I'd seen all my clients take on the mornings of their weddings. The only saving grace was that I had always planned on doing my own hair and makeup, so I had my kit with me. That meant I was going to have to get myself ready as fast as I could because I obviously had to walk down the aisle. And then if I had time, I was going to do hair and makeup for my three bridesmaids. Because the wedding was in October, the weather forecast had been bleak. I remember it said there was a 100% chance of rain with zero hours of sunshine. No joke. It literally sounded like I was going to be getting married on the day of the apocalypse. But I'll never forget one moment that morning. I looked out on the window at the ocean and the sun was shining so bright through the clouds, making almost a perfect circle right in front of our hotel room against all odds. It felt like God was looking right at me saying, it's all gonna be okay. I took a deep breath and focused on one bridesmaid's face at a time. We were going to be fine. I didn't know how or what it was gonna look like, but I had faith that I was getting married that day. At some point, my wedding planner, Alicia Keats, called me and said, we can move this wedding to tomorrow if you want. I talked to the church. I said, absolutely not. Everyone had already taken a Monday off for me. I was going to get married over FaceTime if I had to, but nothing was stopping me from getting married. Then noon hit. The ceremony was supposed to be starting at one and the police situation still hadn't cleared up. So I called my fiance. I don't know what to do. At some point, we're going to have to be able to get out of here. He goes, don't worry. I'll take care of it. I was thinking, okay, sure, buddy. <laughs> so he hung up the phone and he told his groomsmen, we need to get Jane out of the hotel. So they got to work contacting anyone they could. They started to hit the media and one groomsman posted on Twitter, there's a bride who needs to get to her wedding. And the Vancouver Police Department responded with, we will do our best to get her out. The hotel also replied with, we will work with the police to get her out of the hotel. Someone else responded with, who gets married on a Monday? <laughs> Someone who works in weddings full time and doesn't have weekends off, buddy. On the weekends, the Fairmont Hotel is usually full of brides, but because it was Monday... 
I felt like the only bride in the world. Eventually, there was a bang on our door and my sister ran to open it, which is kind of hilarious. I don't think I'd be running to any doors knowing there's a gunman in the building, but that's another story. There stood five police officers in bulletproof vests and the GM of the hotel. He said, we're here to get you to your wedding. Behind the scenes, my amazing wedding planner had told the limo driver to wait a couple blocks away. And she'd also instructed my photo and video team to wait with the limo for whenever I got out. The police took my bridesmaids and I down a freight elevator that took us to the back of the building so we wouldn't have to go through the lobby because the gunman was still there. They escorted us out of the building and the first footage of me from my wedding day was me in my dress running from the hotel with wind blowing in my hair. I had this big glitzy gold flower on the side of my head that went flying off, but I left it behind me like the building was about to blow up. As I got closer to my ride with the ladies running just behind me, I yelled, It's my motherfucking wedding day! We hopped into the limo and drove to the church, pulling up exactly two minutes before the ceremony was scheduled to start. I wasn't even late. My ex had been pacing back and forth inside the church. Everyone there was holding their breath. The story was all over the news, and so my guests weren't really sure if I was going to show up or not. Alicia ran to the limo when she saw it pull up and burst out crying as soon as she saw me. This was easily her most stressful wedding morning, and while she always puts her whole heart into all of her bride's wedding days, she and I were very, very close friends, so this one hit differently. I got out of the car, adjusted my dress, the music started, and I made my way down the aisle. There were white vinyl hearts of all sizes stuck to the ground underneath my feet, and the decorators who were also my friends surprised me by creating giant floral arrangements at the front of the church. I already felt the love, and it hadn't even started yet. I could see everyone's shoulders drop as I walked past them. They were all so relieved. Once I got to the front of the church, I knew I needed to do something to ease the tension in the room, so I yelled, Woo! I made it! And everyone cheered. My fiancé was trembling, and his cheeks were still soaked with tears. Then, I looked up over everyone's heads, past all my guests to the back of the room. There stood 10 to 15 people from all different television and radio news stations. They had come to film the wedding that was the news story of the day all across Canada. The headlines read, A bride gets trapped in her hotel room with a gunman in the lobby. Maybe I would have been safer in the Philippines. The rest of the event went perfectly. The flash mob, the surprise music video, the dancers, the whole vibe. There's no doubt it was a real party. I remember at one point my uncle came up to me and said, this is awesome, it's been so long since I went to a nightclub. And that was exactly what I was going for. Years later, once my nephew heard that his uncle and auntie had split up, he was sad and he said, aw, that's really too bad. Auntie Jaina put a lot of effort into planning that wedding. Don't worry, little buddy, it wasn't a waste. To this day, it was still a very memorable time for everyone who came, an event I'm very proud to have planned and paid for mostly myself. And not only did it make the news headlines, we were featured in Real Weddings magazine too. If only the marriage went as well as the wedding. Oh well, we live and we learn, right? So that's the end of our time for today. If you enjoyed this story, could you pretty please share it with a friend? I heard every time you share this podcast, an angel gets its wings. It's true. And before we go, I absolutely need to say an extra congratulations to Ricky and Ryan. Thank you for sharing your day with me. Oh, and Benifer, good luck. Now go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lush energy everywhere you go. Till next time. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah.